Hello, and welcome to uh, Return of Living Geeks. Uh, this is a podcast where we geek out about our favorite film and television shows, both old and new. I am your host, Michael Vaughn. I am a writer for Geek Vibe Nations, and my previous bylines include Films in Review, Screen Magazine, and AMC's The Bite. I'm also the author of a book called The Ultimate Guide to Strange Cinema. Currently, I am co-hosting another podcast called Humanoids from the Deep Dive, and um, my own website, The Video Attic, where I review uh, home video releases. We're going to take it over to this week's co-host. I'll let him uh, introduce himself. Hi, I'm I'm Michael Cook. I am also a writer for Geek Vibes Nation and for my own website, Thoroughly Modern Reviewer. And I also co-host the podcast, Who's Talking for Geek Vibes Nation. Okay, great. Uh, so today we're going to be talking about uh, Shudder's uh, new original series, Behind the Monsters. And it's, I think it's such an awesome show. Um, it basically deep dives um, some really iconic um, horror, um, like Boogeyman, like Michael Myers, Jason Voorhees, uh, Freddy. And uh, we're going to talk about that. So, um, Michael, what do you think of the series? I I don't think I'm quite as in love with it as you are. I like the idea of it. And I think it's mostly executed really well. I just sort of wish that some of the episodes, particularly for, I think it was the, the, uh, the Freddy episode and the Jason episode, I, I wish there had been more, that they'd been able to get more of the original crew and, and cast involved in the episode instead of having to rely so heavily on insights from various pop culture people who have an opinion on it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah, I can see that. I know I definitely like, I think I particularly like the, um, Candyman episode because it's really interesting to, uh, you know, hear from like, Nia DaCosta um about her take with um Candyman and um I mean like Tony Todd's always a win um which I got to recently talk to and that was wild <laughs> but yeah um I I think it's really good I, I think it's um an excellent show if you're kind of starting out uh on these franchises and like they're so big and overwhelming that it's kind of nice to have like something that condenses it down um into basically like the essence of it yeah i totally i totally agree with that i just watched the uh the hellraiser one last night which i think isn't coming out for a couple of weeks but that one i i'm like not particularly familiar with the hellraiser franchise i just know you know the visual of pinhead so getting to watch that one and actually you know, finding something out about it was particularly enlightening for me. It was sort of what I had wished, like, some of the other ones were. And maybe it's just because I'm more familiar with Chucky and with Michael Myers and with Freddy and uh, Jason. But I, I thought the two best episodes were the Candyman one and the uh, the Pinhead one. Partially maybe because there was there's a little bit more to those characters that, that people are able to kind of you know, dive deep into the themes of the characters instead of just celebrating how fun they are to watch, you know? Yeah. So now I know that I haven't seen the, um, the Hellraiser episode. I have the screeners. Um, it's just, 
it's been such an insane week. <laughs> so I'm hoping like this weekend. Oh, I understand. Yeah. So I'm hoping like this weekend to, to get to those, but uh, yeah, that makes me excited. Cause um, like, I definitely am a big fan of um, like Hellraiser and, and uh, you said that was a particularly good one. Um, well, I'm not, I'm not sure how good it is if you're a fan. Like, I don't know if there's going to be a lot of information you don't already know. I don't know anything about Hellraiser. So I, I got, it was like a crash course for me. You know what I mean? Yeah. And again, that's where I think that like, I feel like it's a really good series, especially um, for like fans that um, are kind of new to these films and kind of want like a way to basically just get a crash course, as you say, in um, some of the series. Uh, Cause again, I, it, they're so vast and, it can be kind of overwhelming. So I think that's, what's kind of cool about this series. Um, I mean, truth be told, did I learn a lot of new information being a diehard fan? No, but that's kind of like, that's a little unfair because I've seen like documentaries. I've read like books and I'm like very well versed. So, um, but having said that there, there have been a few um, like deep dives that they've done that, I learned something. So that's really saying something. Yeah, I agree. I think it's, it is, I'm sounding like I didn't like the show and I really did. It was, it was, I think part of the problem was I binged several of the episodes back to back, which maybe is not the best way to, to watch a show like this, where you should perhaps spread it out and watch the episodes that you're interested in or the ones that you know, if you don't know as much about that particular monster and your or that particular, you know, villain, and you're wanting to learn more, then these are a really good starting point because they cover like the beginnings and they cover a lot of the sequels and some of the the cultural phenomenon that you know surrounded these uh, icons. And you know, when you view it like that, it's doing a pretty good job at what it's trying to do. Like I, I'm. Like you said, I think I'm being maybe a little unfair in wanting like a super deep dive out of a 45 minute show that's trying to cover like 10 movies of a franchise. But there there are these like really sweet moments. There was one in the Chucky episode where I think it was the actress who played Andy's mother had met her husband who was, wasn't he like the designer of the Chucky Yeah, animatronic? was that Kevin Yeager? Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's a really sweet fact. I really, I I, guess I kind of wanted more of that, which I know is like, not every film set has like a love story on it, but it was, it was little like personal anecdotes from the people involved that made the show kind of shine for me. Yeah. Um, like I'm, I'm really curious about the Hellraiser episode because I'm such a big fan. I've actually met like a good chunk of the original cast um, over the years. And that's like been really awesome. Um, I have this amazing picture um, of me with the actress that plays uh, Julia. And she, so she doesn't do a lot of appearances because she like is overseas, obviously. Um, So, you know, whenever they get like people, um, from like other countries, it's kind of a big deal. Um, cause they got, got to fly him out and it's so crazy. And 
you know, this was like pre-COVID, so I don't even know like what the logistics of that is anymore. But um, oh yeah, yeah, she was so nice, and we had this really great picture where um, she was posing with um, the the um, puzzle box, and oh gosh, she was she was the coolest, and you know, she's like, did they interview her in, oh, for that? I'm not a hundred percent sure. I. I tended to miss the uh, the cryons that were telling you who was talking. I, yeah, I feel so bad that like I I planned on getting all of these watched, but you know, as the old saying goes, you know, you make a plan and God laughs. <laughs>, <laughs> uh, so that just it wasn't in the cards. But um, yeah, I, I, Bottom line, I think, like, check it out. It's uh, currently on Shudder. Um, I believe episodes drop every Tuesday. It's either Tuesday or Wednesday. Either way, you you know, you should subscribe to Shudder because uh, they're awesome, in my opinion. So, uh, pivoting towards another series that I think is awesome is uh, Sci-Fi's uh, Chucky. And that I am caught up on, so there's that. <laughs> um, I did make it a point to, um, I was like one episode behind and now I'm caught up. So I, I just want to uh, say uh, we are going to get into some spoilers. Um, so if you aren't caught up, um, maybe skip ahead. But, you know, I just kind of want to go like, wild and talk about all of it um (laughs) so so okay uh, my initial thoughts uh were it's a really great and engaging show and um so my husband is not a big horror fan um and uh it was around october um that we got this um that we got the screeners for the first three episodes and I actually, for some reason, got him to watch them with me, and he really liked it, which is kind of a mark of a good show, because it was, like, even outside of, like, horror, it was uh, endearing and engaging enough to um, speak to somebody that's not necessarily, like, a huge horror fan. But then it also caters to the audience very much. So let me throw it over to you. Um, what were your initial thoughts on the series? I I had spent the summer watching all of the Chucky movies for the first time, right? So I could be like nice and primed for this show. And the thing that I've always admired about those movies, especially some of the later ones, is the way that they sort of balance multiple tones. Sort of like what you were just saying with your reaction to the show, which which I share, which is that it, it didn't just feel like it was a horror show. There was a lot going on that would be attractive to, you know, a variety of tastes. There's there's this sweet, you know, teenage kind of romance drama happening, and there's, you know, like all these elements of regular drama, and then and then you've got the stuff with, you know, the killer doll and all of that. And I, and I feel like that that was something I really liked about some of the movies where they were balancing like campy comedy with slasher movie. And, and I just really liked seeing that continue with the show, which still felt kind of campy 
and still felt really lighthearted, but also took the time to explore some some pretty serious topics, you know? And then, of course, had fun with all of it. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely, um, I mean, my initial, uh, going back to, like, my initial notes was, uh, you know, like you said, it is such an amazing uh, feat to kind of balance that, like, drama and seriousness but then like you know it stays very true to the um series um like camp elements and i know that like especially like later on in the series um it really gets into um like branching off into like almost like acting like a sequel series instead of I mean, that's that's what's kind of cool about this series is like you don't necessarily need to uh, like I think it does a good enough job um, catching you up. But I think it really rewards people that have followed the series and are like diehard fans and know the characters and the lore. And like, I think one of the coolest outside of the um, romance, which that's a whole other thing we'll get into. um which I love, but, you know, I, I think, like, the coolest parts was basically the um, origin story of Charles Lee Ray, and, um, like, I think it was, like, episode four that ended with um, introducing Eddie Caputo, and that is such a deep, like, a, such a deep cut, because he's only really mentioned in the very first film, as like we his... don't see him, right? Like, I don't think we see him in the film. He's just mentioned? Um, yes. <gasps> it's been a minute since I've seen that. Um, see, you're smart uh, by doing, like, marathoning these uh, prior. Because I've seen them all, like, a, like multiple times. But it's it's, like, been a minute. And, like, when you see as many movies and shows as I do, it's... It kind of starts blurring together, but um, I believe you're right. I feel like we don't ever see his character. Oh, no, we do. I, I, I've just looked it up. We do. He is killed by Chucky. <gasps> oh! Towards the middle of the movie. Okay. Um, is he the one that, like, he, like, blows him up? Yes. Okay. I was kind of, like, so that's why I wasn't, like, didn't want to definitively say we didn't see him because I was thinking, like... Who was that, like, guy that Chucky killed at the, in the film? And, yeah, that's... So that's just a testament to the fealty of memory. Yeah, right? Like, it's wild. I can't remember, like, essential adult things, but, like, stuff like that will stick around in my gray matter. So... <laughs> um... No, I, I... You know, it's... Um, again, I feel like if you don't know the series, I, I don't want to say that, like you won't get anything out of it. You definitely will, but it, it certainly does reward loyal fans with stuff like that. But then again, I feel like, you know, like for example, um, my husband really liked it and he, I think maybe just seen like the first one, maybe once <laughs> I think now, I think like later on, it does get into like the sequels, especially like some of the um, like later sequels. Um, so I feel like it is good to kind of know like some of those movies, but I still I think you can kind of get the gist of it without 
seeing those. What do you think? I, I think I agree, because I know that the when they start introducing, like, Tiffany... I guess we're going to go into spoilers, like, 100% here. Yeah. Um, uh, When they start introducing, like, Tiffany and Andy and Kyle and, and Nika, who are all characters from various films in the past, they, they sort of... I, they've, they've been doing this like almost like flashing back to some of the scenes from those films to help explain who these people are and why they're involved in the story, which I think, you know, for, for fans, it's always fun to revisit some of those scenes. But I think it's enough for new people to at least kind of grasp what the relationship is, even if they're kind of lost by the multiple Chuckies and, and whatnot. Yeah. But I, I think they, they did. It was really smart of them to do the first chunk of episodes as though it was a, like almost a reboot of the franchise, and then to then like layer in all of the the sequel stuff. Yeah, I mean, I, I really have to give like the writers a lot of credit because they're almost essentially asked to, as you say, like reboot and slash get you caught up and then act as a an actual like sequel series um as opposed to just a branching off to its own timeline and like that's super ambitious and i have to say i feel like for the most part it pulls it off really well um it's remarkable how well it pulls it off and the confidence it does it with because it's like it's acting as a sequel to a bunch of direct-to-video movies. Like, the last couple of Chucky movies weren't even theatrical releases, so, like, how big was the audience for those movies comparative com- compared to, you know, a show airing on a basic cable channel? Like, I, 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 I would just be curious as to kind of the people who are watching the show weekly, how many of them are returning fans and how many of them are new fans like i got into the purge franchise because of the purge show as opposed to the movies yeah that's yeah that's an interesting point and i know that like the series uh their like twitter is pretty amazing like they have whoever's running that twitter deserves a raise yes i i agree like that is such a fun like marketing campaign it's it's brilliant and something like so when you have like a character like Freddy or like Chucky that's like a wise ass that makes for I mean that's like some fun like Twitter fodder. Yeah. It's almost like you want Chucky to roast you. <laughs> um and uh you know Jennifer Tilly like she has been um doing some like fun twitter stuff so it's it's i'm all for that um so the other aspect that i think is so amazing um is and and this is i mean outside of it just being like i like chucky as a series and character it actually has a really maybe like full stop the best gay character like in horror fiction like full stop because it, it's it's nice because it's not like it's kind of progressive in a way where it's not like screaming it in your face like it just kind of is what it is yeah they're not like doing like like Jake's not having this big like coming out arc or anything he just he is gay 
His father's not been the most accepting. But 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 it's I think I think you're right. It's it's not like it's not like Don Mancini planted a flag and said, I'm telling a gay story now. He's telling a story with a gay character who feels really well realized. Yeah, it just so happens that this character is gay. It's not like as you say, it's not really like planting a flag per se, but um I mean, it's like, so I feel like, you know, as somebody that is queer, um, I always feel like it really sucks because in the horror field, like there's so few representation and when there is, it's usually not good. (laughs) Yeah. So when you see something that's like, just really like nice and, um... I was going to say wholesome, but I'm not really sure if that's the word. But you know what I'm saying? Like, it's really sweet. Like, it's... And that kind of makes it sound sappy, but... Um, but it is kind of sappy at some points, but in a in a good way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's... it's I... I Yeah, I, I'm here for it. I think that's so cool. And I also love um, how they mention um, Glenn and Glenda. Yes. I had a I had a friend who's never seen any Chucky movie, like has no familiarity with the franchise whatsoever, and they just randomly sent me like a Twitter a link to Twitter of a gift set of Chucky talking about Glenn and Glenda, and and my friend was like, oh, it's so nice. He's he's accepting, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I I think it was like great when. He's like, oh, you're, you're, uh, he asked Chucky if he's like cool with, um, having a, uh, you know, non, non binary, um, child. And he's like, yeah, what do you think? I am a monster. <laughs> I mean, I love the series up until then, but that when it, that's when it was like, okay, I am fully 100% on board. I really hope that it, if like, if the show gets a second season, which I would love them to bring back Glenn and Glenda. Because I think it, this series feels like it's where Don Mancini was trying to take the franchise with, like, Bride and Seed, where he was trying to make it this this more kind of LGBT franchise, but wasn't able to push it as far as he would have maybe liked to because of, you know, the reality of Hollywood in the early 2000s, where you, if you were going to be gay, you had to do it a certain way. Whereas now he can be, he can more authentically explore some of those ideas. And, and I think there's such a room to explore a non-binary character like like Glenn and Glenda in a way that he couldn't do in that movie. Yeah, and that's such a, that's such a great point because you're right. It's probably very much the blueprint or at least the seed of the idea pun definitely intended (laughs) um of where he wanted to go but uh yeah as you say it's kind of like unfortunately i feel like even now it's kind of it's better but we still have a long way to go um as far as like hollywood catching up with representation of that kind but like yeah i it's great and i feel like it's so wild to say that Chucky the series has full stop the best gay character like 
on television or movies at the moment. Um, because it feels so real and authentic and it doesn't feel like, again, it's not like it, 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 it it's so matter of a fact that it, it plays it off. Just it's normal because it is, you know, I mean, these are relationships that happen and, you know, this just happens to be one of them. And it just so happens to, you know, coincide with a killer doll. <laughs> so I think, I think on that, that point, it's, I think the the way that the show treats Jake and Devin's relationship with the same amount of respect and care as they treat any of the straight relationships on the show is kind of what's the most telling. They are all just relationships that these young people are having with each other. Yeah, exactly. Um, and that's where I, what I mean about like, it's not, it doesn't go out of its way to um, pat itself on the back. Like it kind of yeah. just is. Um, so yeah, I love it. And um also, I want to talk about what should be a national treasure, which is Jennifer Tilly. <laughs> yes. God, I I love her so much. She, <laughs> I feel like, you know, outside of Chucky, she's like the biggest draw, I feel like. Mm-hmm. And she knows that character so well, and she is so brilliant in how she can, she knows how far to take it and still come off like endearing and lovable but like psychotic and her scenes with with fiona Dorif are incredible yes when she says like my mother always like i'm paraphrasing badly but she says something to the effect of like my mother was always like never let a man cock block you over the thing you love and <laughs> And she's like, that's eating. And I'm like, oh my god, girl, same. It's like, I feel like Jennifer Tilly is one of the only people who can get away with saying a line like that, too. Because she says it, like, with full sincerity. There's not a hint of irony in her performance. She is just committing to the absurdity that is Tiffany. Yeah, she, I mean, you know, I think what's so brilliant about um, a lot of comedy performances is it's played straight, it's it's played so big, but it's played so um, sincerely that um, that's where a lot of the comedy comes from. And oh my gosh, she just nails that. She just she so understands that tone um, because obviously she was like a big um, part of the turning point of that series. So to have her like front and center again, reprising that role is nothing short of like magic uh, as far as i'm concerned so so i i think seeing uh, uh alex vincent and christina lisa again t- together again after all of these years is just it's such a delight because they are playing off of each other in like exactly the way you'd always imagine they might have had they stayed in touch like how their characters had their characters stayed in touch with each other after the second child's play movie it's like they're like the chucky busters you know yeah that's what i thought was really fun about the last episode it was like again you 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 said it so wonderfully it was like they're um 
a little two-person Chucky busting squad. And Fiona also playing Charles Lee Ray. And, and by the way, I did not realize that until they posted something on Twitter. I think I had read somewhere in some of the press materials that it was her, but I didn't recognize her when I when I saw it the first time. I was like, I was like, huh? They've got somebody who kind of looks pretty close to what a younger Brad Dorif would have looked like. I was like, oh, that's just some good casting. I almost thought it was like a deep fake type situation. Yeah, but no, it's Fiona Dorif in a wig. And I mean, again, nails it like nails the crap out of it um she's amazing by the way i just i i i I always think about the the utter like mind it must be to be playing basically playing your father but then also playing your own character who's being possessed by your father's character like like that's just got to be such a weird mindset to be in but also one that could be really fun for the two of them. Yeah, I I it's it's very weird, but I can see being so into it it would just be a blast. Um yeah. it, It's definitely a series that's kind of given me everything I want. Like there's a really great LGBTQ love story but it also has all these fun callbacks to the series, but it's also its own thing, but it's also like a sequel. So it just juggles all this stuff, I think, really well. Um, I was kind of hoping for maybe some more um, like flashbacks to like young Charles Lee Ray. I know that like in like the previous episodes, they kind of like did a little bit of that, which I thought was really interesting. Um and like the guy that they had playing like the young Charles Lee Ray, he's incredible. Um, yeah, I have to say, you know, segueing into um, like these child actors, I think that they're all really good. I think like some of them might be even more impressing than some of the adult actors. <laughs> I mean, they the the four the four main young actors really have to carry this show on their shoulders and they're they're able to like hold their own against Brad Dorif which is like not an easy task. Yeah, the actor that plays um Jake, he's got a really interesting resume. I'm just scrolling through and I did not recall this, but he apparently is a mom and dad the Nicolas Cage um Selma Blair movie which I did not realize. I it's been a while since I've seen that. I need to rewatch that. Have you seen that? No. Um it's all right. It's it's um it's basically just like crazy Nicolas Cage. So Sounds about right. So like a Nicolas Cage movie. Um Yeah. But um yeah, I I can definitely see him being like a breakout star. I honestly think all the young leads are really good as you say um you know, the bulk of the movie is basically them um, kind of navigating all this craziness. And the thing is, like, you have to, as absurd it is it as, as it is, you have to sell it like reality. And that cannot be easy. Like, I feel like it sounds easy, but, like, I feel like really nailing the reality of that is probably not. 
I mean, it, it's got to be even harder when they're having to act opposite, like a puppet, because they're, Chucky is still being done by a mixture of animatronics and actual puppet work. And so these young actors can literally see the people who are operating the doll. And, but they're able to maintain that like grip on the reality of the scene they're in rather than, you know, this kind of absurd set reality where you've got some guy in a giant, not in a giant, but, but in a, you know, like a black bodysuit operating a doll. Like they are able to make these inherently unreal moments feel real which is something that I think a lot of adult actors can't pull off. Yeah, it was that's a great point. And I was actually going to echo that statement of like, I feel like, you know, as you say, like full-fledged, you know, adult actors, you know, that's challenging. Um, because again, you have to like use your imagination, right? I mean, you have to think that this doll is absolutely terrifying, and also just go with the absurdity of like the lore and everything that's going on. So yeah, um gosh, I I don't know what else there is to say. It's it's, it's such an amazing series. Um and what there's two episodes left? I believe so. Which seems like a lot to wrap up in two episodes, but I'm 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 hoping they can pull it off. Yeah, and I'm almost like maybe they're certain that they might be getting picked up, so... So they may be leaving some threads dangling to be picked up on in a second season. Yeah, um, I hope that they put the last two episodes up soon because I want to see them now. Like, yesterday. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so uh, bottom line is Chucky's an awesome series and you all should check it out. It's uh, I guess the next episode will be Tuesday, November 23rd at 10 PM and um, definitely worth checking out. So uh, next up um, I'm going to be talking about some um, really awesome uh, recent home video releases in what uh, segment is called the video corner for now. Um, but that's probably going to be in flux. We'll see. So um, I'm first starting with um, Warner Brothers did an amazing Mad Max anthology on Ultra HD, which just came out. Um, yeah, so this uh, the Mad Max anthology just came out um, the 16th of this month. And I have to say these look incredible. Um, I am such a huge fan of the Mad Max series. Um, it's definitely worth checking out and that's kind of a a brilliant segue into, um, what my next thing I want to talk about, which was the, um, Kino's, uh, new line of ultra HD, um, films, uh, misery. So misery, uh, which came out on, um, October 12th. Um, and I have to say that, um, I rewatched the um, previous uh, Blu-ray versus this um, new Ultra HD, and I mean, it looks fantastic. I I think it's, you know, I'm very confident in saying it's like the best it's ever looked and sounded. It includes a slew of new features, 
some featurettes, uh, two audio commentaries. So yeah, definitely worth checking out. Um, and uh, Kino also did the Silence of the Lambs on Ultra HD. And so I I thought that uh, the Criterion did a pretty amazing job with their restoration. But again, I feel like this um, new edition like kind of blows it out of the water, <laughs> you know. It has um, a new commentary by uh, Tim Lucas. Um, It also includes um, a bunch of featurettes and some original archival uh, material. And uh, yeah, if you're a fan of either one of these movies, I I highly, highly recommend it. Um, And uh, it's definitely worth checking out. Um, Kino has quickly is quickly becoming like one of my favorite um, home video labels. Um, so next up uh, from Paramount is the Audrey Hepburn seven movie collection. I know that's quite a pivot, <laughs> but yeah, uh, seven movies uh, is included in this. All the classics you have breakfast at Tiffany's uh, funny face, my fair lady Paris, when it sizzles Roman holiday, Sabrina and war and peace. So, Again, they look absolutely incredible, um, well worth picking up. Also from Paramount is the Friday the 13th 8 movie collection. It's nice because if, um, I don't know, do you have the um, box set from Scream Factory, Michael? No. Okay, so what's nice about this is um, it's a more affordable option if you just want, like, the first eight movies and you don't really necessarily need all of them. I mean, right now um, it like retails for like 26 99 on Amazon. Oh, that's pretty cheap. Yeah. So um, comes with the Blu-rays comes with um, digitals. It's, it's fairly bare bones. I mean, there, there are some features on there. So um, you do get like some really nice uh, bonus material. Um, Basically, I, I believe it's everything ported over from the DVD box set that's ported over um, to the um, Blu-ray set. So, you know, if you don't necessarily need, like, the extra stuff from the Scream Factory collection, it's, like, a nice pared-down, more affordable uh, option. So from Synapse, uh, we have the Demons 1 and 2 collection, uh, which is limited edition. They have a Blu-ray version and an Ultra HD version. They sent me the Blu-ray version, which, I mean, still looks incredibly nice. And it actually, I've seen them so many times on DVD. So like seeing the new uh, transfers, pretty amazing. And just switching over to Severin, um, we have Retribution, which is like this really crazy like 90s movie. And uh, Severin put out a really sweet three disc edition of that. Again, Transfer looks great. Um, slew of features. And Severin also uh, did some really cool like um, post-apocalyptic movies. Um I don't know if you're a fan of those, but I definitely am. Depends on the the post-apocalyptic movie. Yeah, I, I so I feel so weird about it because I feel like we are kind of living in a dystopian future. <laughs> um, but there's some really cool ones in here. Um, so again, this is Severin. Uh, this is Warriors of the Year. 
2072. That's a Lucio Fulci movie. Um, if I get it, got any Fulci fans out there, Endgame, Joe D'Amato, his stuff's always wonderfully weird. And I'm a pretty big fan overall. And uh, Raiders of Atlantis, which is um, Diodato, who of course did Cannibal Holocaust. So those are all currently available uh, at Severin. And now I'm switching over to, um, I think they're like a newer label, um, Ronin. And this is the original I Spit on Your Grave. This is the con- very controversial 70s film that was out of print for a while, but now um, has been re-released and uh, actually has a really nice new 4K scan. It ports over everything from the previous edition, um, as well as a new feature, which is um, the locations, which is pretty awesome. And um, they also sent me I Spit on Your Grave Deja Vu, which is a kind of like reboot, I guess, like reboot sequel of the uh, original. And uh, that, you know, has a commentary um, from Joe Bob Briggs, which that's kind of a a selling point all by itself um, and a couple other cool features. And lastly, um, MVD's Rewind Classic is also something I've kind of been obsessed with lately. And they've recently done the House on Sorority Row, um, which if you haven't seen is maybe one of my favorite 80s slashers. One Dark Night, which is also pretty awesome. And that's um, actually has Meg Tilly. So that kind of um, ties it all right back to Chucky. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that's a really good one. And um, last but not least, we have The Dark, which is a utterly batshit crazy uh, sci-fi horror film that um you just kind of need to see to believe um so that is my home video picks for this week all highly recommended um and i'm a firm believer in supporting physical media and um keeping that alive so check them out okay so uh i feel like that's it for um return of living geeks um i really appreciate you checking out our first episode um Obviously, it's going to be more refined and streamlined um, in the future, but uh, we are hitting the ground running, so I hope you enjoyed it. I have been your host, Michael Vaughn. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at StrangeCinema65, and you can check out my book, The Ultimate Guide to Strange Cinema, uh, on Amazon. And uh, Michael, where can the good folks find you? They can find me on Twitter at ThoroughlyMe and on Geek Vibes Nation from time to time. All right. Well, uh, thanks for joining us. Bye.